If you come and love me, let's please don't tease. If I can hold your honey, and let me squeeze. Oh, all my heart, I go round and round. And my love comes tumbling down. Do you believe in me? <sighs> Breathless. Uh... Welcome back to the number one podcast in America. That's right. <laughs> According to you, we're called Rotten Rewind. As most of you already know, hopefully, we're a successful podcast that digs through the bottom crates of the critical aggregate site RottenTomatoes.com. If a film scores under 60% with credits, it's deemed rotten, and therefore just sitting there waiting to get fucked by us, your Rotten Rewind host. <laughs> I hate you. I'm Courtney Peranto. <laughs> you wrote that. I'm sorry. I got to write this script this week. I had a lot of fun with it. I never get to write the script. So. I'm Max Rue. We're in the same room. That's right. We're in the same room this week, which is weird and complicated we're for some my... reason. Yeah, I know. For some reason, we're recording a podcast the way that you're supposed to record it, and it's way more complicated. We're at my country estate. That's right, that we recently purchased with all of our sponsored money. We have another guest with us this week. And guess what? Hmm. I fucking worked with him, too. Uh, but, but not at a restaurant. Not in a restaurant. We go way back, all the way back to the mid-2000s when we were slinging popcorn at the Lemley Theater in the San Fernando Valley. So listeners, please give a hearty round of applause for Eli Mann. Is that a job that you have to wear like a tie? No. You have Bummer. to wear like a like a sad polo shirt and you wear the same one over and over again. But Eli, tell us about yourself. Who are you? I'm a copywriter. I live in beautiful Topanga, California. Write a lot of other stuff on the side. But... I'm a retired server. Same. So. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. None of my jobs, I think, are coming back. So I just, I do this now. Well, when I don't have a job, I tell everyone I'm a retired bike messenger because that's what I did the longest. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's cool. Today's movies aren't, they're not that horny though, I gotta say. Eli, they look horny from the covers. They look like they're gonna be a lot hornier, Actually, but. One of them's pretty horny. Yeah, but Eli, I'm, I'm sorry that we didn't have you on for not our horniest movies, you know? I know you really wanted to talk about some horny stuff, but. Of course, always. They're, they're kind of <laughs> like trafficking in erotic thriller tropes, but they're also remakes of two of the most well regarded classics of the 20th century Godard's iconic gangster romance, Breathless, and Clouseau's suspense thriller, Diabolique. I knew that the Diabolique one existed. I did not know that the Breathless one existed until I think fairly Same. recently, like maybe when we were making the list for Rotten Rewind. Yeah, I don't I'm really think I surprised it that it exists. And I will say, like, if anything, it gives me hope for like when something I like gets remade, just to remember that it doesn't matter. Like, if it sucks, people won't continue to like watch it forever. So Breathless stars Richard Gere. How yeah. old do you think he is here? Oh, we looked it up. He was like he's like 33. He's 33, but he looks older because he he's an eternal. 45 year old yeah it's like peak him being shirtless sex symbol apparently yes yeah, been... starring also the gearbox you know you get to see it a couple times i think they obscure it pretty well though like i feel like that's a whole thing in the movie his dick what did you, see you call it, you it? See it at the gearbox you okay see it cool, once, cool cool cool, cool. Sure. i haven't heard that before so thank you yeah you're welcome <laughs> tight it's an insider hollywood term i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna use gearbox. it later <laughs> Yeah, I had no idea that's what it was called. I, I may have just invented it, but... If Wasn't I he kind of known for being, like, a little more risque than, like, other leading men? There was a rumor he put hamsters up his butt at one point. I heard that he right. put them in a condom and then put him up his butt. Oh, okay. Safe. Well, that's so, like, a little better. That's better, yeah. That seems better, because you they don't do want to get it. They do crawl through those little tubes, you know? 
them, so they yeah. might mm-hmm. you know. and, and they're little and he's Italians. a Buddhist. He's a Buddhist, right? Yeah, the, <laughs> that's why he put the hamsters in. It's communing with nature, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is what Buddhism teaches. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, the plot of this one's confusing to me. He's the American this time, and she's the French person. And it's in America. It's in L.A. It's in L.A. It's in L.A. And then Diabali does its best to, like, kind of follow the original beats of the movie, I would say, especially because we watched them in that order together. We watched Breathless and then Diabolique's, and I will say I'm rusty on both of the originals, if I'm honest. Same. But I will say Diabali did kind of, like, hologram resemble what I remember, which I, way more than Breathless did. Well, it does have a cohesive plot other than, you know, mm-hmm. Breathless. They're not just winging it. They're not just winging it. And then, and then it also, Diabolique's will make it so Sharon Stone is the most discussed actress on the podcast now. That's right. Because I think this is the third or fourth movie of hers that yeah. we... Yeah, it's, well, it's at least the third in this fucking series. Yeah. And I'm sure she'll be back for she'll more. She'll be back. Yeah. Um, and how do you, how do you pronounce the other woman's name that's in Possession? Isabella Ajani? Ajani? Yeah, Ajani. Mm-hmm. Isabella Ajani. Oh, I, I totally thought she was a different actress for like the first 15 minutes of the movie. Did you think it was Monica right. Bellucci? I did for like, yeah. yeah, I kept like switching back and I was like, no, yes, maybe, no, but Why does yeah. she sound like this? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that they do kind of look similar. They both have like really pretty mouths and they both have like, they're white French women, but they both, I'm Korean. Uh, they both have like the Korean big head thing that I kind of relate to. I really like them both. I think I think they seem like nice ladies. I know her from Possession. Possession. I don't know how many other things I've seen her and I know she's in a lot of that director's was movies. Was she in like the Ryan O'Neill, like the driver? That like yes. drive is yes, sort of? Yes, the driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So do you want to start with Breathless? Yeah. Chronological? Is it the earliest movie that we're talking about in the whole series too? Yeah, because Body Heat's fresh. Yeah, I guess we could start with Richard Gere's yeah, fucking- very meticulously obscured penis. That's me around you, sugar. That's me. Breathless. Scare me, Jesse. You love me! Now say it! It doesn't matter if I love you! It's wrong for us. Breathless! Richard Gere. Breathless. So if you're not familiar with the 1960 Jean-Luc Godard French New Wave classic Breathless, this update follows roughly the same idea, but there's just like a lot of inverses. It's basically like they were like, let's just inverse everything. This is American. This is French. We'll get, yeah. Yeah. It's directed by Jim McBride, who is maybe, maybe best known for his Jerry Lee Lewis biopic, Great Balls of Fire, which I've never seen. Who's Jerry Lee Lewis? He's the fucking one of the people that Richard Gere is obsessed with. No, 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 no. Who plays Jerry Lee Lewis in this? Oh, uh, Dennis Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid oh. and Winona Ryder are in it. Oh. Yeah. I loved that movie as a kid. I never saw it. The remake follows <laughs> uh, Jesse Lujak. Lujak? Like Lojak, but Lujak? I don't know what his fucking last name is. Because it's supposed to be like a Jean-Luc. Is it supposed to be a little... I don't, I don't fucking know. know. He's Jesse Lojak. That's what they should have named him, Jesse Lojak. Played by a very shirtless post-American yeah. gigolo, Richard Gere. He plays a small-time hustler who's on the run after killing a cop in a very confusing way. <laughs> I'm still not quite sure how that gun went off, but he stopped through LA. He's basically doing a little chore on his way to Mexico on the run. He goes to LA to stay with an old lover who is the French person in this version. Her name is Monica, played by Valerie Kapriski. She sounds like Tommy Wiseau, but she's she pretty does. hot, so it's okay. <laughs> Jesse speeds around LA in various stolen cars, dancing on the Venice boardwalk, and just being really sad that Monica's fucking some loser from her school. Luckily, her professor. Yeah, her professor, too. But luckily, she's super horny for Jesse's wacky criminal hijinks and gets even wetter when she finds out that he's a cab, which is diet, I guess, but... <laughs> <laughs> so they go on the run and no 
hope the cops don't kill them. Yeah, she kills a cop. He kills like she finds out that he killed a cop, and she's like, "Oh, that's tight." Yeah, yeah, it is weird watching it with like the vantage point of like this specific summer. Yeah, because you're just like, well, yeah, especially when we get down to the ending, which I can't wait to talk about. But what's the score on this flappy fucking bitch? Oh, we got lucky with this one. It's sitting at fifty-seven percent. That is wackadoo to me. I can't. I'm surprised it's not lower. It's it's a weird. Yeah, I'm really surprised it's not lower because like it's a remake of something beloved yes. which automatically i feel like you eat 10 points there even if you're kind of good and then it's not coherent no is it anywhere near your favorite godard movie like the original because it's like not i think of it as kind of a pedestrian sounds so bratty but to me it's like entry-level french new wave and then i would hope that everyone i like it like snob. i am i like <laughs> it but it's not the one even of his catalog that i feel like the most connection to anymore it's obviously great i don't know it's more atmospheric than a lot of the other ones whereas like he allows the sort of the environment and the circumstances to shape the plot rather than sort of specific actions it's like it's like this is the world in which they live which is i feel like why it got remade in the 80s it was like that you know the french new wave kind of like there's no future generation and then it came back again in the 80s and everyone was like well fuck it we're all just gonna blow cocaine and crash our cars into a wall (laughs) it's like that same kind of idea i mean that's definitely what this version of breathless feels like in a sentence is a bunch of people on cocaine just crashing their car 100 miles an hour to a fucking wall. <laughs> well, and the original is like yeah. really notably because I think it was cheaper black and white and this movie like immediately we started laughing at the... <laughs> the title font. <laughs> it was like, it's like neon. Well, it took us a second because at first I was blue. like, it's what the fuck blue. is that? And then I was like, oh, I think it's supposed to be like comic book font, but that's fucking weird. The film itself has like so much color. Like it's just, there's just so much yeah. popping color. I mean, like he goes from reading like the Silver Surfer comic book and then at one point she walks the love interest the French actress walks walks Tommy by a, a ba- yeah with Tom, yeah Tommy so walks by a bathroom and it's like glowing green for no reason yeah. whatsoever and, you're and like, her outfit is like bubblegum pink for the second half of the movie it's too lot- and his I mean like I have a note that's like his dress is like very close to like Dumb and Dumber <laughs> <laughs> it's like a ruffled shirt oh yeah yeah and it's just unbuttoned the whole time and yeah. his character because in the original how would you say his name like Jean Paul Bamondo. Yeah. Like he's, Amando, kind of, yeah. he's like, he's really cool and really masculine and kind of oafish, but in a way that you think that he's probably kind of smart. It's kind of a put on. I don't feel like that about Richard Gere in this movie. I was just trying to think of like who else. He's kind of like a manic pixie dude in this. He's kind of dumb as fuck. Like, like he's dumb, but yeah, he's just really like fucking like, I just go with the flow and I'm a fucking criminal. <laughs> he is yep. kind of a manic pixie dream girl, but like, yeah, they're not usually like killing people. Like in the original and like again i'm a little foggy so i haven't seen the original in probably 12 years i probably saw it five years ago okay if my memory serves me one of the nice tensions about the original breathless is that you don't really know if your lead character it feels like he's also kind of grifting this girl too and he's like possibly using her in this movie it feels like even like the way that he fucks with her apartment feels very yeah like manic pixie like chunking express i'm gonna stack your things and stuff like that It, it, it feels like he does really 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 like her the whole time and so there's really not that tension of like oh is is he using her too because i think in the original he like even steals some of her money yeah the belmondo character is definitely more of like a competent calculated criminal in some ways like he's a young guy obviously but you know still impulsive and wild but he still seems to have more of like a criminal background where he's more thinking and more calculated right whereas the gear character is just like throw caution to the wind steal as many cars as possible like it's it's, (laughs) he's like 
It's like Grand Theft Auto. It's yes. like ostentatious <laughs> cars too. Yeah. yeah. Like he steals yeah, he like steals the feels like the brightest cars. Again, a bubblegum pink, like a yeah. Barbie a Barbie car at some yeah. point, and then a blue one at some point. He's like trying to like not get noticed by the cops and he's literally just speeding through LA like shirtless, <laughs> fucking dancing in the street like fucking in checkered playing. pants. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, dude, you are a you're not very good at this. And then the girl is just like, Wow, you sure have a lot of cars. Like she's <laughs> <laughs> like I think his character oh, seems wow. like like he's like Jossie, where'd you get these cars from? <laughs> yeah, her voice. Her voice is crazy. Yeah, I mean it, it is one of those things. I know that like the French accent for like Americans is supposed to be like one of the hottest accents, but it's like there's all different kinds of like dialect. I'm sure, and whatever she has is almost like the Cockneyed version. Obviously, she's beautiful and she's just fine in the movie, but her accent is a little weird. It sounds like she's dubbed almost. So many cars in your business. Hey, where's my favorite dress? Isn't a woman allowed to change her mind? The car thing is pretty crazy because it does become like a joke after a while. This dude just keeps stealing cars and he's so good at stealing cars. Like he can just pick up any car on the street. Um, and it would be funny, but the movie doesn't even seem to be commit to like a genre, really. No. Because it's not fun. I mean, I laughed a, a lot, but it's not fun funny, right? No, I don't think so. To me, like, the main difference that makes his character so bizarre is, like, in the original, the French dude in France is obsessed with, like, Americana. Like, Humphrey Bogart. And it does not feel the same to have an American dude, like, obsessed with American shit. It just seems stupid. It would be like if the Japanese couple in Mystery Train, like, just love, like, kawaii shit. And it's like, yeah, it's not the the cuteness of it or whatever. Like, Yeah, because it was, like, the whole thing with, like, Godard in that time was, like, being really into American gangster movies and crime movies and like adapting it for that era but then feels like a weird substitution to just be like what if instead of Bogart he's like really into the Silver Surfer it, like that's a I don't know that's just his kind character of a crazy... kind of feels like a shitty version of like the Fonz <laughs> yeah totally like a... hey. but it, you but you lose that important plot point which is the whole notion of being obsessed with the female the love interest is yeah. part of who they are and where they're from and then they completely abandon that because he's an American who's still kind of obsessed with Americana. So there's right. no like, it's not like he loves architecture, you know? Exactly. And so like, it makes her an architecture student not, and she doesn't sell newspapers. She could have sold comic books. I'm con- Yeah. She could have worked at the comic book store. Like, I, I just think that this movie, like it could have like made it stupider and it could have been fun where she just like works at a comic book store and it's kind of like a say anything kind of movie. Yeah. Like- <laughs> it felt, it did feel like a first draft of something where you're like adapting something and you're just like, I don't know what to do right now, so I'm just going to put this in as a filler, and or then we'll come back. Or he could have been like a we'll circle back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he could have loved Serge Gainsbourg or something. Like, he could have, like, he could have, like, liked her culture too, because that... He does do a lot of funny accents in it. He's got a lot of voices. Uh, so they he, were not French. He, they... he, he could have done a French one, so... <laughs> I mean, he uh, could have definitely made it full meta, and he could have been obsessed with, with Belmondo. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah totally. Sure. Yeah, so, well, also, like, if you're gonna... It's also such a fucking, like, 80s American move to be like, what if we have an original song for the movie called breathless that sounds like wipeout kind of yeah breathless. <laughs> that's the whole trailer it's just a bunch of clips of richard here running around going like oh yeah like and then it would go breathless 
Oh my god. Yeah, they could have named the movie Tequila and just had <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so the original, it's been a while. He meets her while he's on the run, right? He doesn't know her beforehand? I think he might know her before. He does know her beforehand. Because I do think she's also pregnancy scared. Oh yeah, so- because her in this movie is just like, I don't know, I might be pregnant. And you're just like, <laughs> but like she doesn't know, she's not going to get, she doesn't want to take a test. It's not very well established in Breathless, the remake, if they know each other at first. At first it just seems like he's sneaking into this random girl's house and fucking with it and then you realize that he knows her because he does like a very low stakes graduate scream in her classroom and and I think that making her an architecture student is like the 80s attempt at making her character like smarter but actually it kind of makes her dumber because we find out that her her idea is to make a house of waterfalls wait what? yeah Yeah. they're like oh tell us more about how you want to make houses out of waterfalls Yeah, but she's holding this big pink dollhouse for no reason that has no waterfall in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like the professor... Wait, how he, did I miss that? I don't know. Because it was a moment where I laughed so loud and then you were like not like quiet and I was like, I don't know. I think that's funny. Like he's trying to fuck her and he's trying to introduce her to that old guy that they later go to like the groundbreaking ceremony. Right. And he's like, I told so-and-so that you're just a genius. I told him about your idea of make a house of waterfall. And I was like, I gotta remember that shit. Without mentioning Frank Lloyd Wright. Holy shit, I do not remember this. Yeah, she's I mean, great. I guess that's a testament maybe to how much is just happening at once in this movie that's kind of just so much to take in that I totally missed the part about her wanting to build a house out of waterfalls. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, that's kind of tight if she could do it. But It makes her, it makes her, I mean. Listen, more, so much to tell her that, listen, that sounds tight, but like I don't think you can do that. innocent about the Gene Seberg character in their original that doesn't necessarily come off as naive. And there's, right. and like this character seems, like I don't really understand why she likes him when she likes him. They constantly, in the first part of the movie, are like fighting and then fucking and then fighting. And but then they don't even really fuck, though. They, they fuck they... in the shower because she knocks out the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they like keep <laughs> fighting and then she's like, no, I don't want to be with you. And then he just keeps breaking into her house and yeah. like, like, all right. He's like restraining order material. And then she ends up instead, like if someone that I was fucking just kept showing up and like not giving me alone time, that would be bad enough. <laughs> but then at the moment that she realizes that he's like an actual criminal she's like doubles down and she's like okay this, this is the guy everything <laughs> she completely changes her mind yeah she's like and she's I mean, they're gonna I go think, to Mexico yeah she's like on she like has like a split second decision where she has to jump in the car after yeah. he like tries to run over another policeman and then she's like looking back like oh you know maybe I should rethink my life and then she's just like nope I'm in the car we're not oh, even gonna close the, close the hood let's yeah. get out of here yeah. yeah also when he's trying to get her to get in the car in that split moment decision thing he's so fucking bad at being a criminal that the cop is still nearby like next to the car he just knocked him out and he's like we're going to Mexico he's like yelling it and I was like whoa dude don't fucking say that right now well he's a really yeah he, yeah the cop mean. probably he woke up like and was like well they're going to Mexico so I, I think I know where to follow him I mean it seems so easy to find this guy yeah yeah and he once again is running around the street shirtless and he has, a, he has a noticeable tattoo that's a broken heart bleeding and again yes. like if it's just like any kind of like noticeable signifiers like you probably we should just cover those up. It, yeah. it just feels like the movie wanted to really capitalize on like Richard Gere's like sluttiness during this era. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, he'll do it. You can see the outline of his dick a couple times. <laughs> That's every meeting about you Richard kept, Gere. He'll do it. He'll do it. You kept saying, I mean, I feel bad for him because I feel like he's a totally fine actor. Like I really like Pretty Woman in some of his like more conventional movies. 
But the two movies that we're covering for him on this podcast were Unfaithful, which he's just like a pathetic cut. Well, he seemed to like the 80s. It feels like the 80s were more like he was kind of like a wild sex symbol and kind of dangerous, like a bad boy. And then all of a yeah. sudden, like from like the mid 90s on, he was like, I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm just going to be asleep yeah. every movie I'm in pretty much. It's like they gave him glasses and was like, you're smart now. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty Woman, I think, is like an equator where he is supposed to be kind of a cat and a bad boy. I mean, he fucks her on that piano, but, oh, yeah, but he's yeah. like also kind of older. Like, I think that like that's like the midpoint where he transitions fully after that into kind of like a more routine, like boring lead. I always put, yeah, I, was, I think we talked about it. I put like Richard Gere. Nick Nolte? No, no, no. Nick, no, Nick Nolte's crazy. If Nick Nolte crazy was the good. lead in this movie, it would Honestly, have been it might make more sense. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get to Mexico. <laughs> no, it would almost make more sense if I it think, was someone weirder. I think that's the problem. I think they should have gotten Gear drunk during the filming of this movie. And it it seems been, like, like he was mellow. on something, but... Yeah. He, I well, I mean, he, like, he like keeps delivering lines like he's trying out the kid's slang. And you're yeah, just like, yeah. you're right, you're what right. are you doing? feels like the 80s were of what would have maybe been like a cool Ryan Gosling performance now. Okay. Like Ryan Gosling yeah, 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 easily yeah, yeah, could yeah. have been like, yeah, I'm slick. And he's, it seems You're like he's right. kind of trying to wing it and improvise and play on his own charm, but he just doesn't quite have the right charm for it. Yeah. I mean, the glimmer in his eyes after he says almost everything is like, right? <laughs> like yeah. that's like the subtext. Like he gets like really so bummed. Every time he sees a newspaper of his like mugshot or the news comes on, he, he just changes into this like, oh my God, fuck, they're on to me. They're on to me. Like he seems like surprised that they're on yeah he's surprisingly not stressed out most of because like most of the movie he's not trying to evade the police he's trying to fuck this girl and get her to go with him when really like the most important thing should just be like getting the fuck out of there but the crime seems like subdued and I guess like that's what makes it an erotic thriller in a way where it does feel like the relationship is the most important thing well there's that weird that weird duality where he's having the conversation with that kid about the silver surfer and how the the silver surfer is like a shitty superhero because he won't just leave he's like (laughs) he's bound to earth by love and that makes him a terrible superhero instead he's just like his humanity is his weakness and like yeah we're supposed to like see humanity in the richard Gere character but it's just not there because he's still this he's a comic book of himself or of the character yeah he's not the right yeah that scene in particular is pretty insane it feels like it goes on for a long time too and that kid just keeps following him he's like harassing he's like hey just so you fucking know dude (laughs) you suck you silver surfer is (laughs) Man, you like the Silver Surfer. Yeah, I like the Surfer. I think he's a jerk. No, no, man, he's a hero. He's a hero. He's trying to save the world from Galactus. What's wrong with that? He's crazy. He could get away anytime he wants. He's got the power cosmic. You know why he stays? He stays because he likes it here on Earth. He wants to help the people out. Yeah, but they don't want his help. We're always after him. The cops and the Marines. He's a jerk. Hey, why don't you go lie down in the road for a spell? I actually think his best performance is American Gigolo. I think he's really good in that, and I think he's well cast in it. It's once again like another version of like what a Gosling could have done now, where it's like kind of like a quiet stoic type who's just kind of quietly charismatic, but there's something dangerous about him, and he has kind of a loose temper. Here, yeah, he's just like he's all over. I mean, the movie's all over the place, but he seems a little like unwieldy in it. Gear is really well utilized in like those very like stoic parts where he doesn't right. have to express a lot of emotion. But but like does have a range, but it this 
voice in particular of this character is not his range. Somebody was like on the set, they were just like, play it up, be wild, you yeah. know, let loose. And it was like, cool it was like, oh, I can, or I can do this. His character kind of reminds me of the character in Baby Driver <laughs> a little bit, but he's too old to like the, like the character. I kind of like Baby Driver, even though I'm, I'm aware that it has flaws, uh, in, yeah. including having a rapist in it. But um, but it just like I believe in that character because he is like young and dumb and he kind of doesn't and he and he even is like even though that actor is like young and kind of teen heartthrobby, he does at least seem like he thinks he's cool. Like this character just feels like stupid and lost and too old to be like trapped in here because they both do like weird. I'm like dancing by myself shit. Gears, I think, has a lot more charisma than An- I think Ansel Elgort's one of the worst actors alive. So I he's he's like a celebrity that will go on his Instagram and post pictures of him crying, <laughs> which yeah. I think is, is hashtag so sad. Yeah, I think he's just so unlikable. I <laughs> yeah, think Richard yeah. Gere has a little more going for him. Like that would have been like if they cast Ryan O'Neill on this part or something. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I, I made know. a list of like other films that were kind of play on similar dynamics. I don't know. One of them was like that Alec Baldwin movie. Miami Blues. Oh yeah, like I love um, Miami Blues. Though. You know, like Repo Man. There were just like these these like lone adventurer movies mm-hmm. in an urban landscape. You know, where they're just like fuck the law. I'm gonna burn the whole thing down. Right. Like I don't care if I die by the end of this film. Kind of a thing. So they're like there are a lot of options. I mean, even like Sean Penn would have been like oh. a totally yeah. I think he would have been too yeah. young, but he would have yeah. been good. Yeah. yeah. Sean Penn. How or... old is Matt Dillon at the time? Too young. Uh, Matt Dillon was young, but he probably would have been good too. I think yeah. Yeah. Because he's hot and like weird looking and he can like barely talk and I believe it <laughs> you know he can't talk <laughs> well, no 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 I mean he can like have a role where he's quiet and I'm like still yeah, there for I think it. he would have been like maybe 20, Too young? 21 in this or something mm. so yeah so this was written by LM Kit Carson who wrote Paris Texas wow. yeah and like this movie also does kind of I feel like share a visual language with that movie it definitely has the like Paris Texas to live and die in LA like Robbie Mueller look at times but it it's is, a little too it isn't dark ugly. No, I think it has kind of, I think its look is one of its more redeeming qualities. Mm-hmm. Is that it's, it's beautiful. A, there's a lot of really fun, like, pop colors. And like you said, yeah, there's like the green the green lights when she's like passing different rooms, which reminded me of those movies. So I, I guess I thought that was interesting, how it was kind of like taking this kind of like French new wave, like coolness and upgrading it to the 80s to be like, neon? how can we make, yeah, like obviously with the neon lighting, but also like what's something that like kids would go see at like the mall or something like that. Okay. It feels like that almost, where it's like, how can we make this like accessible and fun for like young people I don't hate this movie I actually think it's I could tell I kind of <laughs> admire the swing in a way like uh-huh. I admire the swing of it but it's not it doesn't fully land but I just hope that when Richard Gere and I hope this happens in a really long time from now like when he does pass away like I hope that most of his in memoriam shit is just briefly there is like in terms of the writing there are like some lines that I just really took to I mean a lot of the movies <laughs> it almost seems like it's fucking improv and you're like are you serious right now (laughs) there's like the moment where he walks into like the underground nightclub in that insane getup of like the wedding shirt and the plaid pants and the broody character goes what are you trying to disguise yourself as an asshole and so like okay that's that's not yeah that's like fine but then and then they have like philosophical nods to like french new wave kind of like exploratory nihilistic language where they're just like you know talking about how the wind makes them feel but like they don't know how to approach that so they open the conversation with like this 
unpromptu windy day and he just goes great wind yeah what the fuck it's funny yeah because that's stupid but i actually did like that part with her where she's talking about it i was like oh that's kind of like weird and it kind of felt like an altman or david gordon green moment where i was like oh that felt like a weird little aside Mm -hmm. that you kind of like just captured but i think my favorite line was there when they're in the pool yeah she's like she's like you remind me of one of those rides at disneyland (laughs) you make me dizzy It's like, I'm so dizzy from you. <laughs> also, he thinks that William Faulkner is a guy that she's fucking. Yeah. Yeah, I he's love like, that. He's like, you don't like William Faulkner? And he's like, what, are you fucking that guy? <laughs> and she's like, William Faulkner. Yeah, I think she's even, That's like a one moment where she's like, oh, maybe this guy is stupid. Dumb. <laughs> I mean, the movie should have just been like a funnier comedy. Because like like you were saying, like it like flirts with the idea of being depressing and like nihilistic. But then even like with the ending, which is obviously like the biggest departure, decides like no we can't do that and gives you like one of the dumbest endings breathless that I have ever seen I mean like the, like both of these movies today feel like when people are like oh no they were making a foreign movie for Hollywood like the, both of these movies feel like why people are scared of that because they don't always think that they have to be bad like th- this is like classically like they made it a lot stupider <laughs> for no reason I don't know I'm I'm one of those people who just it makes me cringe when they say the titular like the, the, Annihilation the titular is line the in the movie one. and they use it all the fucking like they use it like at least five times throughout the movie you know it's like showing up to the band you're, you're gonna see wearing their t-shirt and you're just like oh you're that guy you know mm-hmm. yeah and i don't know they they like had to be that guy not only in the dialogue but in the music in the and how it ends like you're just gonna end it that way like this joyful death yeah we can talk about the ending when we talk about a little behind the scenes because I, I dug, so I dug up some stupid. some info on that one but Thank uh, you. the guy who plays the, the cops are so scummy which i did appreciate the two detectives like the main guy who is in bound every scene he's just like sweating and like shaking people down and he has that line where he's like don't you f-u-c-k with the l-a-p-d Fucking yeah that weird. was good at one point he just turns to richard Ge- not richard gear but the guy who works in the stamp yeah. store or whatever oh, and yeah. he just he just yells accessory to murder like his loudest <laughs> and walks away and you're like all right out of order <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> i gotta say the one thing i think my favorite thing actually about the movie outside of the look is I think it's actually kind of a cool LA movie and I didn't even know it took place in LA you never really see LA shot the way that like grimy New York was in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s and I think it did that really fucking well like it made downtown seem really kind of seedy yeah. and a lot more like it didn't feel as like touristy mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as it in LA normally does because I feel like LA is never like really romanticized the way that New York is on film and so like outside of Michael Mann and like Robert Allman and PTA like there's not a lot of directors that I think really capture the real like essence of LA uh-huh. and I gotta say for a fucking random 80s remake of a classic like this movie does do a really good job portraying Los Angeles yeah I, I like how it looks it's just I definitely enjoyed watching this movie more than some of the ones that we've talked about namely Jade and Body of Evidence but this one's weird because it's like all that playfulness that like went into the original like makes this one feel like amorphous like I didn't really know 
know like where I was ever at like the plot of the movie, even though there's not much of a plot, which I, I don't know. I think that's why I kind of dug it in a way is I was like, you know what? This is a weird, ambitious remake in its own way. And like you really didn't even have to remake Breathless because the plot of Breathless is pretty like simple. And a lot of movies have obviously taken from it over the years. So I was like, it's weird that you were just like, fuck it. Let's remake Breathless. Yeah. You could have just made a similar movie with this dude and not had to have a song called Breathless playing all the time. Like I said, I'm a sucker for the big swing usually. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> you went for something here. Yeah. It's fucking weird. But I kind of dig that you were at least trying to do something. It has a weird ambition to it that makes it kind of likable in a shaggy way to me where I'm like, this isn't really technically a good movie, but it has so many fucking bursts of interesting things yeah. happening that I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I definitely think they tried to adapt the original impetus of what Breathless is into some sort of chase movie. They were like, yeah. how can we drive this faster? How can we make yeah. this yeah. feel like it's everything is happening faster and there's more stakes than just sort of like this, these characters' personal dilemmas. Like, how can we amp up the action a little bit more and make it move faster? But the problem is, is they started it and then it went so fast they couldn't catch it. And just, yeah. they just <laughs> Wait, can we talk about the ending? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the original ending, which is, I think, like, one of the parts of Breathless that I have the most vivid memory, is, like, he gets shot, the Balmanda character, and then he is, like, trying to communicate, but then his words get twisted. He says something like, I'm dis- I'm a disgusting pig or something like that. And then, what like, the people, the bystanders tell Gene Seberg that, like, that's what he said about her. So it's, like, really heartbreaking that he finally realized that he actually did care about her. He's not just grifting her. And she feels like the opposite. And she's probably pregnant with his kid. And that ending, <laughs> that ending for, like, it being such, like, a romanticized movie is, like, pretty sad. But it commits. The ending of this is wild. So he's, like, getting held up, kind of like Thelma and Louise style. Like, the, he has no way to escape. But he's, like, standing there. And then he just starts dancing to music in his head that he's also kind of singing. And again, it would just seem like he was, it would just seem like he was, like, a houseless person with a mental problem. Yeah, he's just dancing in the street, which I was, like, pretty sure the cops would just shoot and it, this guy. Oh, yeah, they would definitely shoot him. They would have just been, like... Because then there's a couple shots where it goes back to her POV, or, it like, looks at her. And so it would be, like, these last moments of his, like, maybe life are just, like, weird. <laughs> like, it doesn't make it, like, romantic at all. Like, he gets taken out in, like, like a, like a blaze of That's fire. That's, like, the worst way that if someone was, she like, just what was were like, his last moments like? like oh, they're a little weird, but... <laughs> yeah. He was... Uh, they were quirky, for sure. <laughs> he lived yeah, this... Butch, yeah. Butch he Yeah. They build up to it in like, this super weird way where he sends her out for snacks. <laughs> he's like, he's like, we don't know. Like, the car doesn't break down, but for some reason it's broken down for no reason. So she goes yeah. out on looking for snacks. She, like, can't get a newspaper. Like, she has this weird interaction with the clerk. And then, like, she comes back and is just like, I dined you out, basically. Like, I made this decision. And then she, like, goes back. So she has this, like, weird, wavering, like, loyalty to him where she's like, I love you. I don't love you. I'm confused. But it doesn't happen until so much later. Later. Like, mm-hmm. she doesn't seem to struggle with whether or not she wants to be with him until, like, the very fucking end. Until she and needs then, to, yeah. Yeah, and then she's just like, oh, and he's like, no, it's fine. I'm just going to pick up this gun and dance in the street. And, like, it's all good, you know, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. He died how he yeah, lived. He's reading yeah. <laughs> An idiot. Dancing to the music <laughs> in his head. And she's like, what is that? What are you reading? And then she's like... <laughs> He's like, oh, it's about Silver Surfer. And she's like, what is Silver Surfer? <laughs> 
And he's like, you don't know what the fucking Silver Surfer is? He gets, like, really mad about it. I was like, bitch, you don't know who William Faulkner is. Like, you think he's fucking William Faulkner? He's like, you don't know about the Fantastic Four? You fucking idiot. And then he's, like, mansplaining, like, Fantastic Four and, like, comic book shit to her. Which, actually, I did kind of like once he's talking about it. Like, when he's really into it, I was like, okay, okay. yeah, there's, like, seeds of you being, like, I get why he you're He kind of this. acts like Tom Hanks in Big. Like, he should be a child, but he wished to be... <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. He wished to be. That would that makes more sense because like you're like what the fuck? Like, he's a like thirteen year old boy trapped in some guy's body. That yeah, explains so, we, like, so much. Yeah, so like his and big dick, and so he's yeah, just, like, he's like, <laughs> whoa, baby. <laughs> he sees his big dick and he's like, whoa. <laughs> if we, I mean, if we look at his character as like an adult who like is a child that never became a fucking adult, this movie makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah, he's like a comatose. Yeah, now I like it. You can't say it, can you? I don't love you. My little liar. Please, Jesse. God, Baruti! It's to make it, darling. And a hundred ways out of this town. I'll be right back. Should we talk about the the critics? Oh yeah, I mean it, it's not even that rotten. It's not that rotten. It actually and it's actually received a little bit of a. Um, it's gotten a second life recently. I think it's been a little more revered recently. There are some critics that kind of ride for it. They wow. like it. I can't imagine anyone seeing Gears' performance and being like, "I don't get me that guy." <laughs> yeah, and, and and like I said, I'm not a big. I'm listen. I'm I'm not a Richard Gear stan, and I know they're out there, but hey, I, mom. I, I don't think he's bad in it. I think he's miscast. Okay, but I admire also the swing of. His his performance or he's just like fuck it yeah the literal swing wacky. of his important his performance like yeah. he literally swings everything including his voice it's like <laughs> he's, you're like calm the fuck down stop swinging i think every scene yeah jim mcbride was like it's like you're swinging your cock around no it does seem yeah. like yeah. that yeah you're knocking everything over with your cock yeah you, you, your whole personality <laughs> is a big dumb dick Roger Ebert didn't hate it. He gave it kind of like a middle-of-the-road review, which I think is a fair review. I think that's probably what I would do. I'd probably be like, look. I think I'm too full of myself that I would want to take it down because I'd be more interesting. Well, I understand more at the time wanting to be like, fuck this movie. Why the fuck is this movie here? It's like how they remade that movie with Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, Downhill? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Roger Ebert said the result is a stylistic exercise without any genuine human concerns we can identify with. True. Yeah. And yet an exercise exercise that does have a command of its style is good looking fun to watch and develops a certain morbid humor i would agree with that i think that's a good i think ebert got it right there let's see tv guide said in keeping with the tentativeness of the entire enterprise the ending is one of the great cop-outs in modern moviedom remaking a movie is always a dicey proposition remaking a classic is even dicier this version of breathless no dice wow no dice I, i love the skating reviews the slant magazine said much like body heat which valorized noirish archetypes instead of examining their original social context. Breathless simply has a hard-on for Hollywood love as convertibles, rockabilly, and monochromatic lighting are utilized to enshrine dominant legacies rather than invert or at least probe them. Okay, smart guy. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like okay. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, kind of fuck him. Jim McBride read that and was like, oh. You don't get it. <laughs> I didn't even 
even think that much about it, buddy. This is a guy who never dreamed of doing cocaine and crashing a convertible into a wall. No, no. Ob- yeah, obviously. Yeah. This obviously. is a prime 80s cocaine movie, too. I bet De Palma would have fucking tore this one up, though. Oh. He probably would have been like, I could never do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah you're been... right. But I think it would have been, like, funner. Like, funnier. I think De Palma like, directing John Travolta would have been like, oh, oh fuck yeah, here we go. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, because John Travolta does, it. John Travolta sounds like the guy singing Breathless. He like, does, he does, he does. Yeah. But can De Palma direct a movie where, where you only see two guns? Oh, it would have been a lot more violent, for yeah. sure. But it probably would have looked even doper. Sure. Uh, finally, the Washington Post said, a gaudy erotic showcase for a male stripper named Richard Gere. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like his... Like, he is kind of a, like a Chippendale. I, like, I, on feel the like, I feel like he kind of did get treated like a hoe. He's a hoe. For a long time because yeah. he would like take sexy shirtless roles and like show the outline of his dick and stuff like that. That's Jim McBride. Listen, you're a hoe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and that makes me kind of appreciate... Like, I feel like he got treated like a lot of like young, beautiful women get treated in Hollywood. And for some reason, he was like a dude that got it. Like, I think Channing Tatum got that too for a while before he got yeah, Millers right. and doesn't have a career anymore. Yeah, Richard Gere would have been the original <laughs> Magic Mike. Yeah. A little behind the scenes. Oh, God. So I think we both talked about this before we started recording. But yeah, I mean, if anybody who's seen True Romance, I feel like watching this movie is like, oh, this is True Romance. It's amazing that for a movie that's as obscure and weird as it is, it seems pretty influential. Yeah, you're in right. In a lot of right. ways. Like, it seems like it really influenced a lot of directors at that time because Tarantino loves it. He thinks it is one of the coolest movies ever. He said, here's a movie that indulges completely all my obsessions, comic books, rockabilly music, and movies. All right. But no fee. I mean, if you look at that scene where he first steals the Porsche and he's driving to LA in the Porsche mm-hmm. and it has that like stock running, like kind of orange background of the desert. Yeah. That's like the old style kind of way that they filmed car scenes. I did like, actually like, like that the, too. In the, the screen. Yeah. It's like such a thing that Tarantino has overused sure. so many times. He loves yeah. that. This actually makes a lot of sense and definitely would have probably made this one of the dopest movies of the 80s. Michael Mann was originally slated to make it. Wow. That would have oh. been so tight. And unfortunately he left to make The Keep, which I is... I haven't seen it. I haven't, it's the only Michael Mann movie I've not seen. It's his most not well regarded. People don't it's, like it. It's, it's trash. It doesn't okay. feel like a Michael Mann movie, right? No, by okay. any means. Who knows what this could have been? I mean, because that's Michael Mann coming off of Thief. Oh. This shit probably would have been like incredible if Michael Mann... I love Thief and Khan's performance is so fucking like... He's so it's good. like a rubber band. It's just like you just stretch it and then he fucking goes bananas. It's... It, dude, that movie's so crazy. Let's see. Oh yeah, so the ending. The film was originally going to end the same way as the original Breathless. Okay. But preview audiences were furious that Richard Gere died and the producers opted instead to end with the startling freeze frame. But like, do the preview audiences, like they should have already have had to have seen Breathless to oh, be a preview member of did. that audience because it's like... Uh, it sounds like they probably did like test screenings in like malls around the country and they were like, the fuck is this? Yeah, so originally they killed him. Yeah, he should die. It's the David O. Selznick appeal where it's like, we have yeah. to maintain like the future of like, no, we make this character fuckable throughout the movie so he has to be fuckable in the future. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. That's a good tombstone. I don't know if you have your picked out yet. <laughs> but fuckable and death is tight. <laughs> that is great. I'm just going to have someone mount my, my severed penis on their mantle and hook it up to a dialysis machine so it can get hard. Yeah. <laughs> 
Who's the MVP of Breathless? Oh Jesus! The you're cars. gonna give it to Gear because you're like you're just a sweetheart. The no. cars, the cars drive the plot more than anyone else, so we're giving true. it to yeah. the cars. Mm-hmm. I might go with honestly, like a little bit of a combo. Whatever the relationship was between the director, the production designer, and the AD and script supervisor that went into making sure that Richard Deere's Gear's dick was obscured in several shots. Okay, because they did a very good job of making sure that when he got out of bed naked, that he passed something just the size of his dick and he kept like yeah. it was you're right i gotta you're say right. you know what right. i think they put more thinking into that like than how certain to scenes. find yeah, yeah. the right banana to put in front yeah. of the dick exactly i'm gonna give it to the little kid who kept trolling him <laughs> <laughs> you should fucking give up dude you're yeah. a fucking grown man Don't <laughs> you go read a faulkner book loser <laughs> yeah that should have been the, ta- the tagline for the movie should have been silver surfer sucks <laughs> are you fucking william faulkner <laughs> Just a little reminder about our rating system. You can be a worst offender, which means you're just boring and bad. Are you a train wreck because you're so bad, but you just can't look away? So bad it's good. Future cult classic. Pretty, pretty good. I don't think it's that bad. Or is it a misunderstood masterpiece? The critics were way off. I think it's a so bad it's good in certain ways. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It was one of those films that I like checked how long it was five minutes in. But like it's a... <laughs> After you saw the, the title font. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what are we looking at here? Yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to agree. Yeah, I think it's so bad it's good. Yeah. This is the first, like, unanimous rating, I think? Yeah. Yeah. It's so bad it's good, I think. Friendship. All right. Diabolics. I didn't have to get married to have lousy sex. No, I did. Don't you run away from ah! me! I'm alive. No, you're dead. This is heaven, and I'm the Virgin Mary. Sexy. Scary. Sensational. Diabolique is a tantalizing thriller. When was the last time you saw your husband? Full of unrelenting suspense. Where's the body? Someone moved it. It's thoroughly entertaining. You're feeling guilty. Isabella Johnny is bewitching. He's coming for us. And Sharon Stone has never been better. Someone's playing a game with us. Diabolique. Rated R. So it seems to me that this one, Diabolique, which I don't know why it's not just called diabolic but who who fucking knows french shit is hot i think that it's trying to be a little more faithful to the source material than the breathless remake but it takes place at an all-boy boarding school ran by a dysfunctional couple mia and guy and it's how you say your last name again isabella ajani and then that motherfucker i hate charles palmentary it's just like oh motherfucker i hate (laughs) every (laughs) every time he came on screen i was like i hate him so mia is adorable and she suffers she also has bangs so i like her she suffers from a heart condition and she's frequently like left out of breath and kind of faint and she has a skittish personality. Guy doesn't seem to care about his wife's condition at all and he's just openly having affairs, one of which is with another professor or teacher at the boarding school named Nicole. She's played by Sharon Stone, so Return of Sharon Stone. Though it feels like Sharon Stone doesn't really like him that much anymore, though they're still fucking. It doesn't seem like anyone fucking likes this I don't, guy. Uh, that, yeah, that, we'll get into it. And then so Mia and Nicole team up and decide that they're going to murder Guy together and stage his death to look like a drunken accident and just drop him in this like really dirty pool at the boarding school. And after days of waiting for the body to float to the surface, the pool eventually gets drained and they discover that the body has been moved and they realize that they must be like, like someone knows about it and some third party is harassing them. Kind of? That's what they think. Yeah, but they seem to, every time a new clue pops up, 
they seem to just have the same reaction, which is like, somebody knows. Yeah, they, yes. Sorry. That was, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. know why Ruffalo is in this movie now, but, but he is. But yeah, so, but they know that someone knows. And then Kathy Bates is an ex-cop that is now a private eye and she's there too. Yeah, she's just like, I don't know, she's like bored. Yeah, she's bored. Like, I guess I'll investigate this shit. Her husband has like left her and her child has died. And What's the score? Oh, 18%. So shitty, shitty. Yeah, low double digits. Especially because this movie is, I think, more coherent than Breathless, but lacks style. Yeah, that's a that's is a question. Is it more mark. coherent than Breathless? I think I, have I think a- it's more cohesive in terms of like flow of the plot. Okay, it, it maybe feels that's more like a um, vision was happening. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, they it's- definitely took the outline and were true to like how the original sort of unfolds, as opposed to just being like, well, I guess we'll figure it out when we come to that scene kind of a situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's trying to recreate some of the source material in a way that feels faithful, but where it strays is like most of like the sense of suspense and tension. Okay, so I have not seen the original. I was going to watch it before this. I am embarrassed that I watched this version first, but hey, hey, that's life, man. Yeah, so I have not seen the original. And if I did, it was a long time ago and I don't remember it. But I will say that the first 20 minutes of this movie, I was like, I feel like we just missed the it felt like I walked yeah. into the theater late and was like, wait, what's going on? Because it really they, does start. Yeah, they kind of just like throw you into it, but not like in an exciting way. It just kind of left me a little confused. I didn't really understand the relationships or uh, yeah, I just I, it took me a second to kind of figure out what was going on, even though it's a pretty straightforward plot. Otherwise, it just yeah. has some twists and turns yeah, yeah, yeah. along the way. Yeah, and I think they, they really they wanted to throw you in the midst of this world in which everything is shadowy and unknown and, and things are uncertain. I mean, it opens with the the creepy kid from Jumanji, the the younger version of Alan Parsons or whatever his name is, and and he's like, yeah. we don't. And that character never gets truly revisited. I mean, he shows no. up again, he but like we sunglasses. we get the feeling that he like has a crush on the Mia, Mia, Who and um, yeah, of course, and that he's you know born witness to like her abuse and neglect and and the way she's treated. But he's like clearly the only person who cares for her, and right. yet in the myth in this world that they're creating we only see him twice I don't know it's weird I'm definitely more I I feel more attachment towards the original of this movie than I do Breathless it was a movie that I think I saw and then immediately like bought when I was young I really really remember enjoying it it's the same so the same person wrote the novel Diabolics that wrote Vertigo and apparently like Hitchcock wanted this material too he wanted Diabolics but it was a blind auction and Clouseau won and so he made sure to get Vertigo and I think like knowing that there are a lot of similarities with like a character that you like think might be sorry spoiler like dead and isn't they return people that like might look alike doubling but this movie like it just like it just feels like too it feels like it knows that you've seen the original and takes it for granted maybe because it's not it's really confusing yeah as somebody like I said who hasn't seen the original I was definitely a little confused although I pretty much for being as confused as I was I did pretty much understand what I thought was happening Mm -hmm. and I pretty much guessed what the ending was pretty quickly see with the original I don't think I knew I mean maybe I'm stupid but like I was so immersed in the original that I didn't know that like there was that big twist at the end. I guess it's maybe just like the way this movie presents itself, presents itself is pretty obvious, but also the cast.
casting of Sharon Stone was just like, well, I'm assuming there's more to this than just what they're showing us. Like other, like later remakes, I think there's sort of a calculated misdirection where they're trying to sort of make any audience members who have seen the original feel like there's a twist that they aren't seeing and sort of lead them down blind alleys in order to make it seem like a movie they should re-evaluate and revisit rather than go in assuming they know everything that's going to happen. At the same time, like it's just so discombobulated in the way that they did it. Like It seems like they really concentrated on on sort of tuning up areas where they could exploit that Mm -hmm. without really figuring out a true way to, to make people feel invested in it as the plot moves forward. You know, it's just like you sort of fall out of, you take for granted that like, oh, Chaz Palminteri's character is dead. And then you just like, okay, someone's fucking with them. And you just go on and you're by that point, you're like, I really don't care at this point. I don't care who's yeah. dead. I don't care what happens. Like I have resolution. I don't care. Yeah. It's hard to invest in. You're just kind of, it does feel like it's kind of going through the motions of, which I think can sometimes be the worst kind of movie where it's like, this isn't necessarily horrible, but it just feels like oh, yeah. almost bored with itself. It's yeah. Just it feels like, impatient well, to get itself over with. Yeah. Which is like, I guess when you just see any movie now that feels like it's recycling either, not even just remakes, but movies that are just recycling formulas or tropes where you're just like, okay, like, but yeah, I just, I, I think that like when you're familiar with certain types of movies or their like original source material, mm-hmm. yeah, it can feel like we're just like, okay, which I guess is what was fun about the Breathless thing. It was just like, this is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's I don't know what's going on, but like, it's well, this wild. one, too, I mean, this one feels like more that they were trying to take the source material and then cram it into like the erotic thriller genre a little bit more, especially when it comes right. to, like the casting and the score, but it just doesn't come together because also like I do remember in the original the the Nicole part is like so mean in a way that is like energetic to me like Sharon Stone who I do really like just like I don't understand her character I don't know why she wants to kill Guy in the original I think that he's pretty openly abusive to both of them and I don't think that this movie knows how to have two women that act differently like act under like act like both their abuse and that needs her character to be so bitchy and badassy that it doesn't know how to make her put upon and so therefore it doesn't really give her the motivation for the initial murder anyway so then it does seem like oh it's probably a double cross doesn't mean anything the pool was empty and maybe he saw them at the bottom i didn't did you if they were so plain to see don't you see what it means yeah it means we overlooked them it means guys watching us he's alive he's dead and I'm not sorry. And neither are you if you're really honest with yourself. This one is like a little more violent, explicitly violent. That it, it had to sell us on the body really early. Whereas the original is pretty like light body play. And so it, it is more believable that he's actually still alive. Sure. But this one kind of lingers on the body. Like there is even that scene where they, so they kill him in the tub after they like drug the fuck out of him with like a whiskey. And that is my favorite quote of the movie is like when, so they like have taken a bunch of pills mm-hmm. and then put them in like a bourbon bottle and then poured him bourbon. And he looks at it and he goes this looks cloudy and then just drinks it yeah he yeah. seems really so still stupid. getting drugged in that scene he's just like fuck it yeah um, yeah i made it i made a note that like the point in which you know that Chaz palmentary is is evil is when he puts his drink down without a coaster <laughs> like, <laughs> you fucking like, monster he yes. also has that line what does he say he's like why don't you swallow it for once oh Don't yeah he is so evil i do want to talk about that so then they they drown him in a tub and then put like a glass version of like a water 
drug on top of him yeah. to keep him down. And then they, on top of that, just so they don't have to look at him, then put a the shower curtain, the shower curtain yeah, yeah, over yeah. that. And then the camera shows us like how dead he is, even though like the girls are out of the room. So it kind of just feels like a stupid fake addition. Yeah, yeah, it was just a dumb fake out. Because like a good suspense thriller with a twist needs to make you think that like, oh, I should have seen it coming. But that just felt like a lie. Yeah. But but then I, I paused because there is that moment in Gone Girl where you get to see like her imagining her dead body floating in the water. But that movie's just great. And this movie is kind of a fucking mess. Speaking to sort of in terms of the character development of Nicole, I mean, she sort of following the murder, she sort of becomes Chaz Palminteri. Chaz Palminteri is like, yeah, you're right. you know, he's like the aggressor. He's like this bully. The duality of these two films is really interesting in that you have one character who treats like a, ostensibly a child, like an adult uh-huh. who understands her better than the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And then you have this other character who treats an adult like a child in order to control her. And then once they get rid of that character, Sharon Stone becomes the abuser in her right, life. Right. Yeah. She just sort of takes on the role. They allude to sort of like a lesbian relationship between them. Yeah. And that is like sort of an enlightening for her, an enlightenment for her because she's like the Mia character is a former nun and like but she's obviously like left God right. I mean there's all this weird religious symbolism. She's like left God behind and like there is there's that quote too. It's like, oh you can take the girl out of the convent. Right. Yeah. And that that I think has like lesbian like overtones in it. That's the yeah. thing too is like I like those undertones are in the original source material and to me it's like if you want to make it like a slutty movie like make it like let's have them actually fuck instead of just like gently yeah. kiss or whatever it's like go farther if it's going to be trash there's that weird scene where they're like in bed together and Mia is laying her head on Nicole and then it's like a transitional like scene to like this relief of the Pieta and it's it just seems mm-hmm. it's just such a weird illusion right. you know you're like okay so Mia is Jesus and uh, Nicole is the Virgin Mary. It's so but like weird. why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand why they just don't have sex. Yeah, because that would at least like motivate her character to do anything. If like it was supposed to be kind of like a bound scenario where they're just like gonna get rid of this fucking guy and like get the fuck out, like be together. If yeah, that's the end goal, yeah. is for them to be together. But like what binds them is this just like this murder plot. And then yeah, like what you were saying, because I think unfortunately I can like be a meek person. So instead of like viewing it from what you said about how once the abuser's gone, like someone has to inherit that role, which I think is correct. Like, I just viewed it as Mia's character just needing to be controlled because she doesn't know how to, like, function in the world. So she was, like, in a convent where, again, like, God was the person, like, telling her what to do. And then now she, then she was in an abusive relationship. So her abusive relationship started with God and then it was this dude and now it's Nicole. But she's also kind of like Richard Gere. I mean, not as goofy, but she's, like, a really bad criminal. Like, her, her, after she commits what she thinks is murder, she acts like, it's like if Amelie committed murder and was trying to hide it and was like she's definitely like she is as bad as at being like innocent as Richard Gere is at being a criminal like every scene that she's being in she's like, <gasps> yeah she's just and Sharon Stone is obvious too because it's like so clearly like this woman is just like razzled and Sharon Stone is just smoking a cigarette being just, like get the fuck out yeah, of here almost like just wanting to like tell you like yeah we did it you know yeah, like, yeah. But you're never gonna catch us and then Kathy Bates yes. like in this movie it feels like she's in a different movie it feels like she's in a Hitchcock movie where she's like the the dick 
detective that comes in or right, like a Stephen right. King movie she feels like she's in a completely different like and yeah. I like her performance in this she's probably the best performance in the movie. I think it like grounds the movie yeah for the few minutes that she's in it but yeah. it didn't feel like it was like of the same piece no and there's there are all these weird references to Kathy Bates mastectomy they keep mm-hmm. like referencing it over yeah. and over again getting something off of her chest she, she is like this former police person who you know is like ostensibly bored and just looking yeah. for something to do her sort of inability like not her sort of not wanting to smoke a cigarette like her being a survivor of cancer mm-hmm. and like you know giving things up and making compromises and then her just sort of giving into it eventually as like a, a triumph you know she's like well I was here I, I fulfilled my purpose and now I can just like all she wanted to do was know the truth the unburdening you know yeah and I, I like I said I haven't seen the original so I don't know what this was in the in the original film but it does feel oddly woke for a 90s erotic thriller as far as like how it has this kind of feminist bent of like these two women obviously taking out this you know, abusive guy and then like having the cop and this be a kind of middle-aged retired woman who clearly seems to identify with them yeah and understand what's happening and is basically like I know that you did this yeah and it's okay because I feel like I know why you did this in the original it is a male cop right okay it, this movie to me it's almost because like because then we can spoil like it turns out like oh double cross Nicole and Guy have actually been plotting just to scare Mia to death and in the original there's no Nicole isn't redeemed like in this movie Mia freaks out is because right. like she sees what she thinks is like a ghost or like the body of Guy again in, in the bathtub and she does pass out and in the original I believe she just dies and then Nicole and the Guy character are like happy but then the detective finds out so it's kind of like everyone's fucked it's just like right. more tragic the, yeah the original yeah the, it is like kind of progressive in the sense that it is about like these two people plotting against the dude except in the end it undoes itself but still that counts for something it's almost like right. like the handmaid in the Korean movie is almost like like a version of this that unites the women in the end and like is explicitly queer like right. I think the texts are pretty similar okay but and this is written by Don Roos who wrote Single White Female a little six degrees I don't I, I just think it could have been good is like what's frustrating for me is like I don't think it needed to be this limp I feel like it would probably it also does seem like because of how because of the subtext and because of the queerness it would be something that would be ripe to be remade again probably today mm-hmm. surprised it hasn't been honestly after seeing it but I'm sure it would be even more woke oh it would maybe be like kind of annoying and I don't know how they will like handle the ending because okay I did look this up to remind myself but in the original too Mia does bring in like an ex-cop private eye and she confesses like she tells him Mm -hmm. and he just doesn't believe her which I actually think is more true to life it's just like a dude's like no I don't think that you're that smart to have done that and then then or in that that time more likely from a patriarchal standpoint like I don't think you're strong enough or you don't have the, the perceived disposition in my male opinion policeman opinion to carry something like this out yeah and I do have a note too that Sharon Stone's like costumes like really border on like Ace Ventura material like they're yeah she wears the Gil Weathers suit at one point she wears a lot of chartreuse where the whole movie's like pretty drab and it was a choice obviously and I don't just looks like she's about ready to go play bingo at all times there seems to be like (laughs) kind of a disconnect because it was because like the last movie that we we did Sliver last week where she kind of played a weird meek character she couldn't and so two weeks ago rather 
last week who fucking knows anymore yeah. yeah and so it was really it felt like she was really miscast in that movie but here she almost like plays like a flat bitch like in basic instinct she's so great because that character obviously like has layers this one i don't i don't see them at all and I don't, it's obviously no. not her fault it almost feels like they had to revise the character to suit whatever her persona was at the yes, time to that's make what I her think. like that's a what fucking I think. bad bitch who's like yeah we're gonna get away with this the other one like, is she, like the original she's just kind of a horrible bitch in a way that's pretty impressive it's just like she's just a cunt yeah i mean there were definitely parts in this where i was like i mean i kind of dig how little of a fuck this woman gives yeah. when she's like talking to authority figures she definitely like seems that. cool I, it's hard to say if sharon stone has ever been able to live up to the basic instinct performance because i think she's a good actress but she's obviously been in a lot of bad movies and i think she's obviously seemed to taken it for granted or taken advantage of i i just i think that's still her best performance i think it's still the best like kind of utilization of her although i did actually like her on that soderbergh series mosaic from a few years ago i know ago. i need to watch that yeah i thought We're she was in quarantine. Good on that. i might as well and oh i mean sorry no casino casino, casino. i forgot about casino casino and... she's cool in broken flowers but it's a really small part yeah but i thought that like it's a, it's a different part for her too it's kind of it's comedic and it's yeah, yeah well she is really funny and she does seem to have a good sense of humor about herself and the persona that you know hollywood kind of crafted for her in the 90s i feel like post basic instinct throughout the rest of the 90s aside from casino just ended up kind of like drifting through movies like this yeah. where she just looks a little bored like she's kind of like i know i can do this mm-hmm. like you know i can do this i know i can do this why aren't we like trying to give me something a little meatier yeah i think in terms of like the costumes they have her in they're very much like maybe 50s or 60s sort of inspired outfits yeah, yeah. Um, the colors themselves obviously like you said they're the some of the loudest things in the film whereas everyone else is pretty drab i mean you're talking about mia who's supported to be like a former nun and she wears a lot of black mm-hmm. um, she doesn't show a lot of skin you know saying chas palmentary wears a lot of muted tones all the teachers at the school dress very conservatively in dark colors sharon stone is really she emerges as sort of this unknown kind of anything can happen character where you're, you're just you're unsure of her motivations you're unsure of her personality you don't really know like exactly why she's doing what she's doing and i think that that was somewhat intentional like they're just pointing her in a lot of different directions so that you waver between is she involved is she the one blackmailing them or who's going to blackmail them who's moving the body who's playing the evidence like right. is she behind yeah. all this or is she just along for the ride it's unclear i do think that like one of the best like ridiculous like like not even blackmail but like ooh, someone's onto them moment is that they're like kind of freaking out anyway they're on a walk and then they walk past like a one-hour photo place and for some reason like the oh, photos yeah. of them moving the body are printing out like at the window it's like no bro it, it, yeah. it's just like oh and we're not talking about the because i do think that like the what this movie wants to do but i think it like gives up and doesn't like land is i think it does want to have a conversation about like what it is to be watched and monitored because like the big amendment between this and the original is like the weird jj abrams donald how they are the school's pr team like yeah. everyone has and they're like filming it the whole time quick aside jj abrams had an acting career in the early 90s and he is credited in this as video photographer number two but he's in it a lot so that is obviously not in the is he, original the other one's donald Logue. Donald Logue, yeah. who's a good character he's actor. great yeah because there's that one scene that i actually think could have been effective where they are filming <laughs> i don't know like it, that also yeah be... the whole time i was like what are they filming yeah they, it really needed to be fleshed out more but they're filming so i think that like the whole point of that was like that spooky it could have been spooky potentially spooky scene where guys in the window right. watching them and then they're able to like rewind it back like i think that there's a version of that yeah, they that have, like, could have been like lost highway ish and cool <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't make sense especially because like we're told that this school 
school is kind of like struggling and guys embezzling money. So I find it hard to believe that they have a budget for that. He would keep the budget for the PR team. We got to have these guys. on. And they're just kind of like they're in and out. And kind of this, it reminded me of like the most recent Halloween movie that for some reason people liked, but there was that weird subplot where there was like podcasters that gets dropped immediately because they think they get murdered. It, it has, it makes more sense than this where I'm just like, I don't understand what they're doing. And I actually think that there was a version of that that could have been an interesting addition to the plot where it's like, oh, so like surveillance. Yeah, it's kind of lost in the like all these movies do seem to have another thing in common, which is the weird the tech, computer, the tech paranoia. This movie even finds a way to do that with the computer at the end. That's like, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you over yeah. and over again. This movie just felt a little comatose to me. It just felt like everybody was kind of sleepwalking through it, except Isabella. Gianni. I was going to say, I think Isabella Gianni or Gianni, yeah, is, yeah. is trying and I think she's doing a good job. But unfortunately, she also has the role that's kind of a flat tin. Uh, she's not flat. She's just like she's not flat, but she's obviously like I think her performance she's in like possession is, is like top 10 performances of all time. Like she's that's great. an insane performance. And she obviously is kind of asked to do the same wide eyed hysteria here. But it's kind of just it ends up being one note because all they want her to do is to be like, you know, shocked that they're almost getting caught and, and just kind of paranoid the whole time. And she just kind of like victimized the whole movie. Mm-hmm. That's she doesn't really have to do much. Yeah, there's only like two points where we see her take control of her life. One where she asks her Sharon Stone to leave and she's just like, mm-hmm. get it, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm sick of you. Basically, yeah. And she, she's like at a moment where she's like, I don't care what happens in the future. I'm taking responsibility for my own life, which then triggers Sharon Stone to come back because she didn't realize that she'd slipped all the money in her purse and she discovers it in the car and there's that weird scene in the rain. Obviously, you know, the, the goodwill that she showed toward her after she did all this horrible shit to her inspires her to then actually kill her husband. Yeah, there's that scene and then there's like this earnest scene where she's like talks to the creepy kid from Jumanji where she's just like which is so weird because it's the, the one of the most bizarre conversations in the whole film where it totally didn't like, even need to be there right yeah. he almost like alludes to the fact that he's he's the one who's been messing with them and like he's the one who right. has been but then he like reveals that he found these sunglasses in the bottom of the pool or whatever but like she just like, yells at him and is like shouldn't you be in class or whatever and it's just like this kid yeah, totally saved your me. fucking it, life it's yeah. like but going back to like what you were saying is like in the absence of an abusive party like someone has to assume that role and it was like in that instance like then she becomes a monster it's like the only reason totally. that can like that she's sweet because also like no matter what like she's still a character that committed to murder and the movie doesn't really want to take her to task for that at all like yes yeah, she's like you also have to see her get so abused to kind of justify the murder especially at the very very end I do not think that's well in the original she dies but, yeah, but it's yeah at the end he like has them both in a chokehold at the oh and time. she I do like when he got hit with the rake oh, that was awesome which he would not have lived from but yeah no. it was a good little violent would have been death but yeah. somehow he comes back to life after a lot of blood loss from his brain yeah from his head <laughs> because okay so in the original I think the little kid stuff is again like a little more ironed out where he has something of the dead husband's and, and I think that you're supposed to think that he like actually just handed it so it's just confusing right. and I think there's a fake out too at the very end of Diabali the original where you kind of think that maybe she is alive and she's now pulling the wool over their eyes but you don't there's not this moment where Nicole is like I wanted to call it off and like I want to be your friend there's there's nothing like that it just feels pointless it is here it's just it's not even like a moment where she's like you know a change of heart after like witnessing something else towards the end she just like grows to like her yeah it's weird like she doesn't even have that moment where she's like oh fuck I can't do this I'm gonna have to fucking kill this guy it feels like when you adopted or when you like foster a dog and you're like fuck I guess I'm gonna own you now she's like uh 
Let's right. not kill this girl. <laughs> it's also the same novelist who wrote Eyes Without a Face, the other French book. Okay. Like, he actually has, yeah. like, the, the, the source material for so many great shit that I was telling Max when we rented these, we rented them at, like, a real video store. I was like, I think the Diabolics might be kind of good. And he was like, I don't think that that's going to happen. And you're right, because, like, at least Breathless is, like, carbonated and weird and wacky. This just is super flat and stupid. Guy, you promised. It's a sin to waste. Aren't you the expert on sin? No, you are. Eat. It's perfectly edible. See? Pick up your fork. Pick it up. Now swallow. Swallow it for once in your life. Should we talk about critics? Yeah, let's fucking why not. I am interested. I feel like everyone has seen Breathless. Like even my friends that kind of like movies, don't maybe love them, like them, seen Breathless. Diabolics is I feel like a little more cutty. I've always known about it. Like I said, like I I don't remember if I did see it when I was younger and it's something that I have wanted to see. Breathless was like, yeah, like in my early 20s when I was just like really into like Godard and fucking doing that whole thing. Like, but it was never like my favorite. I don't like consider Breathless to be like this untouchable holy grail or whatever. I feel like I've gone back around and now I kind of do again. Like, I think there are like little flourishes that I re- like the like yeah. the jump cut stuff. Like, I think I respect it a lot more now. Sure, sure. Than I did. Like, I think that like when I was 17, I thought it was cool for liking it. And then when I was 22, I was like, just kidding. Like, like contempt because everyone dies. Spoiler right. alert. And then, uh, and then now I'm like, I don't know. It's like kind of sweet and not too sad. Like, I, I don't know. I'm like, yeah. but Diabolics, I just love. Well, I'm going to have to watch it now that, now that, you now know that I've ending. seen the Sharon Stone version of it. Yeah. So this movie has an 18%. There's not a lot of reviews you can really find on it. And Did it bomb? Yeah, it did pretty bad. I don't think anyone really like shat on it. I think a lot of people were just like, why does this exist? Yeah. Roger Ebert did not like it. He said the film lovers should study the two Diabolik side by side in order to see how the Hollywood assembly line trashed its treasure from the past. I mean, okay? yeah. And then the only other review that was really worth, I don't know, anything. Bully. Yeah. Efilmcritic.com. Mm. So the new Diabolik mostly dispenses with subtlety, contenting itself with regularly scheduled cathartic jolts that pass for suspense in our degraded culture. Well, there's not even a lot of behind-the-scenes information on this movie. Sharon Stone and producer James G. Robinson had a falling out after she refused to do a nude scene for the film. That's ba- I feel like a lot of people were, after Basic Instinct, were just like, you're gonna no. get naked, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, That's just, not fair. Yeah, they just felt like it came with the deal. Like, we don't even need to put it right, in the right, contract. Right, right, right. It's which... our third date. Like, I bought you dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> for the Chaz Palminteri part, Gabriel Byrne, Jeremy Irons, and Jack Nicholson all turned it down. Oh, Gabriel Byrne would have been great. Actually. Yeah, Gabriel Brown would have been yeah. good. Jeremy Irons. I, I'm not I don't a big Jeremy so. Irons fan. I don't know why. I don't think he's bad. I just don't really care either way about him. I don't think he's sleazy enough for this character. Obviously, I think we know why Jack Nicholson turned this down. Because he can't fit in a bathtub. <laughs> no, I think he's that point. I'm just kidding. It's not. The, it's not the chili. It's not chili on the Lakers stadium floor. Maybe, no. He's uh, he's not hanging out with models on his boat eating no, pizza I know, I know, I know, smoking I know. in those. I'm OG. Sorry. Hey, he's a big boy. I don't think he cares. Yeah. Um, I mean, he did do, like, it's weird because he did a remake of po- The Postman Always Rings Twice, and people kind of liked that remake. Because I was also, I was wanting to do it for this series, and then I was like, fuck, it's fresh. Jack Nicholson in the 70s, I think, is my favorite actor mm-hmm, of all time, mm-hmm. but he's never had a Pacino or De Niro face. He's never slummed it. He just kind of pieced out. He was like, all right. Anger management? I, see, 
I don't even, but it, that's not like Dirty Grandpa. Like that okay, movie okay, also, okay. that movie also did really well, and I could see how on paper it would be a good idea. Like, yeah, Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler in a big budget comedy where they both have anger problems. Like, okay, sure. I mean, he comes from humble beginnings, and 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 he's been on both sides of the camera. I think I don't think you enter into any role lightly once you've seen both sides of it. Yeah, I think that Gabriel Byrne could have like reined it. Like, you could have believed that he was an abuser without having to get like as down and dirty. Yeah. He, Has, yeah. he seems like he could like mind fuck you and he wouldn't need to like be as physically abusive as Chesmet Pill and Terry. He just is kind of a big oaf abuser. And I think that yeah. that kind of like made me uncomfortable sometimes and not because I yeah. don't want to watch it. It just, it felt like that was like one of the only things that the movie had an opinion about. I also yeah. don't really believe Chaz Bell and Terry as like the focal point for all these women's desires. Like, True. So I, I yes. don't fucking see it. Or like a all. mastermind behind like a double cross. No way. He also like as soon as he doesn't even check her pulse when he thinks Mia's dead and he just kind of tries to fuck Sharon Stone in front of her dead body again like kind of like a porn trope like yeah. it's just like yeah like let's just like pure taboo fuck in this bathroom well this, my up. wife is dying yeah he's oh, just like a big Italian bully like yeah. he's not really like honestly and if you're gonna do that they should have got James Gandolfini oh I think Gandolfini would I mean but Gandolfini's always fucking great last piece of behind the scenes my favorite Sharon Stone claims she regretted turning down a part to play herself in the 1994 Flintstones movie because she had to be in this. She was going to play Sharon Stone. Oh, like maybe because her last name's Stone? Mm-hmm. Yes. She hated this movie so much that she was like, fuck, I should have just played myself in the 1994 Flintstones movie. I mean, that would have probably aged better. Yeah, probably would have been. It, and it probably would have been more fun to shoot. Yeah. And quicker and probably just as big of a page. And a cool costume. So I guess we all think that she should have been. She's Sharon Stone in the Flintstones? Fuck exactly. Yeah. Who's the MVP? Oh, God. Of- it's Kathy Bates for making yeah. me feel like I was at any point like on a track i would say kathy bates i did really like shirley knight as the woman with the dog i thought she was fun oh yeah she was i wanted a little more of her i was like i like this woman i don't know what's going on with her i don't even know why we're fucking in this yeah 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 yeah. but i like you (laughs) and her husband that helps move the body right yeah yeah. they're bad at murder yeah let me get that for you ladies how (laughs) do we how do we want to rate this movie come on we know it's the worst offender i think it's the worst offender it's boring (laughs) i think it's unanimous Again, wow, yeah. look at us. Looks like we just found a new co-host. Yeah, because I can totally look away <laughs> and it's never going to be a classic. I did look away quite a few times because yeah. I was like, I'm lost and I don't think anything's going to help me not feel lost. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I know where this is going anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can tune out at any point and pick it back up. It's kind of like a And TV you shouldn't show because it's a, and it's a thriller. It's a suspense thriller. So you sh- it should be the opposite. It should be like, it should be like if you fucking even try to pee for us, if you think about peeing, you're going to miss a little thread. Yeah. But no, if you, not you, you, but you, the our humongous audience, are also like curious about these remakes that maybe you didn't even know existed before this podcast. You can illegally download Breathless. We rent it at Movie Madness doc, or Movie Madness. If you here have in like Portland. a local video store with a good selection, I they'll probably have it. But I'm so curious to like what they think of me because I was like, hi, because you have to because the to go thing is only since COVID and it's still really new. So I had to write it. So it just like says fill in the title of the movies that you want, and I was like, Diabali, 1996, a Sharon. Are you sure you don't want 1955? I'm positive. I'm absolutely sure. I absolutely want the Jeremiah Shekhi version And then this. we thought that we could stream Breathless and we couldn't. So then I had to amend my order. And I was like, hi, I have a woman that wanted to watch Diabolics. Could you add on the Richard Gere Breathless while you're at it? So if you want to like physically watch the movies that I watched, um, you can get those at Movie Madness here or your video store. Or Diabolics, you can pay for on iTunes or fa- 
Fandango yeah. and all the other usual guys. Or you can just legally download it and not pay for it because it's we not don't necessarily recommend paying for it. But you can. Both of these I, films should be free anyway. Sorry. I would yes. love a gif of what's his name getting hit in the head with a rake, though. Oh, it's got to be up. It has to be up. So yeah, next week we're gonna keep running this erotic train on our listeners. Uh, we're gonna be doing <laughs> a couple of bad little '90s bad boys infiltrating the lives of nice little blonde girls in the suburbs. Oh. Yeah, we'll be talking about James Foley's Fear, starring a very young Mark Wahlberg in his underwear model phase. Excited, yeah, actually. Basically the underwear model from the wrong side of the tracks. and Coming coming right off his hate crime. Exactly. It's why there's, they can't open Wahlburgers all over the United States because as like a felon, you can't like That's franchise pretty That's fucking such a cool piece of What do of you mean we can't open Wahlburgers here? And <laughs> 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 I fucking gave him money. What if we <laughs> changed it to Colonial Burger? So yeah, we'll be talking about James Foley's Fear, starring Mark Wahlberg, Reese Witherspoon. So excited. As well as Never Talk to Strangers, which I'm so excited to see. So excited. Starring a Desperado era, Antonio Banderas as a ponytail lunatic who loves to fuck and hopefully wants to kill Dennis Miller. He's in it? Dennis Miller is back. How have we watched two Dennis Miller fucking movies? If if he dies, I'm definitely going to watch this movie. Fuck Dennis. No matter what, I'm going to DM you that he dies. He plays Rebecca De Mornay. (laughs) So Rebecca De Mornay is the love interest in it. And Dennis Miller plays like her best friend who's just like, you just got to meet a nice guy. And so I'm pretty sure he's going to die. Okay, okay. Because Antonio, like the whole trailer is Antonio Banderas like seeing Dennis Miller and being like, you're fucking with my plan. Dennis Miller playing a sleazier version or a less sleazy version of the real Dennis Miller. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Yeah, I think we spent a lot of time talking about Dennis Miller's career on Disclosure. And why it even exists. Why Um, is he here? You can stream Fear on Showtime and something called Peacock. That's the new NBC app. Oh, wait, I knew that. like HBO Max, has a pretty good selection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Never Talk to Strangers, you have to fork up $3 and watch it just, is it just on iTunes? Yeah. Eli, thank you for coming on, dude. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we hope you'll come back and discuss some non-porny, non-remakes with us. We don't have to commit to that. (laughs) I mean, you can come back. You can come back definitely for Gone in 60 Seconds because I know- Oh, for sure. Movie more than people. I do. I totally do. I think it's great. As far as quote-unquote remakes go, I think it's, even though it's like not not considered a good movie, I, I think it's an amazing movie. I think it's a great action movie. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Spotify and to subscribe and leave a five-star review for us on iTunes so that Mr. Apple and the iTunes gods will let us into their club and we can be successful and powerful like them. Yeah. We just want to be respected because if we don't get five stars, they will kill us. (laughs) I want to get popular enough to have Rotten Rewind um, merch face masks. Exactly. That just gives like a really bad score. But yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, Eli. Thank Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Listen!